You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Can I say, Salem, you are in fine voice today. Wow. Wow. What a joy it has been to worship with you, to hear the sound of voices. And um, it's such a precious thing. It has strengthened my heart. I want to say uh, a huge welcome to all of you, and uh, particularly if you're new or newish among us. Uh, my name is Martin. Allow me to extend my warm welcome to you here today at CLM. Great to have you with us, and I uh, trust you're doing well. Thank you so much to all of you who prayed for Esther and myself as we were last week in Singapore. Uh, we had such an incredible time. I've got to tell you, uh, we received much more than we went for. Really, I mean, we always go expectant, but the primary reason for us going was to be present at uh, a handover ceremony, a baton pass ceremony of Pastor Dominic Yo, who is a mentor to us, uh, to uh, Pastor Gerald Tam, uh, to be the lead pastor of Trinity Christian Center Singapore, a, a world-changing church. Um, the truth is that service itself was incredible. It was a masterclass in succession, and to see the generations handing on uh, the American missionary uh, apostle Naomi Dowdy, who uh, had handed the baton of leadership to Pastor Dom 18 years ago. She's still part of that church. She's 88 now, and uh, she was there and was honored, and it was just a, a gorgeous service, a holy service. But more than that, uh, we were able to be part of a pastor's conference, pastors from around the world, and some incredible input. Some of you will know Bishop Dag Heward Mills, who is uh, an amazing apostle and preacher, and uh, he was there, and I've got to tell you, the anointing on his life, I was messed up, um, so I, I was not expecting what happened to me. I'm still processing some of that, and some of you who know him and, and the ministry, I mean, doing incredible crusades in Africa, but also overseeing 40 different denominations gathered under one umbrella. And uh, what an incredible man uh, he is. So it was a privilege to be in that space. And then uh, we're part of a small mentoring network, uh, which uh, Pastor Dom uh, mentoring some leaders from churches, uh, probably about 15, 20 churches around the world. And we were gathered together in Singapore, made some great connections. And as you might have seen on social media, we also made some great connections. We'll say to the Kenyans in the room, we made some incredible connections with some Kenyans. And um, yeah, you can whoop if there's a Kenyan in the room, just Tracy. I know there's more of you. Don't be shy. I know the Nigerians are like, you know, they're kind of louder, but hey, you Kenyans, come on. Um, what are talking about? So um, we had the privilege of uh, connecting with Bishop Philip Katoto, uh, who oversees Assemblies of God for Kenya and about 5,000 churches with a vision to plant another 10,000 in the next 10 years. They're doing an amazing work of social transformation and some others, and just, uh, yeah, we're kind of exploring some of the connections we made last week, feel they could be part of the future of this house, so we thank God, and uh, do pray for us. This week, we're in Peterborough for the next installment of the Learning Community, joining with uh, church leaders from uh, across Europe as we consider missional expansion, and uh, we thank God for how he's been leading us in the past season into missional expansion, and it would just be great to, to dream and think and be around those that are further forward than us. And lastly, in terms of preamble, can I say, church, do not miss the opportunity of Alpha. 
This Wednesday, we have our Alpha Dinner. I am so excited with Jonathan. We're going to be leading the course. We've got about 30 people booked in already. It is not too late to invite your friend or your neighbor, your colleague. If you've been thinking, oh, I ought to invite them, maybe I've missed it. You have not missed it. I said to Jonathan, when's the cutoff for catering? He said, Wednesday morning. We'll leave it as late as we can. I want to tell you, you've not missed it. It's going to be a great evening on Wednesday, a great opportunity for people to come in a relaxed environment and explore faith. So be active today, this afternoon. Come on, get on the phone. Go and speak to someone. See if they might come with you for a beautiful dinner on Wednesday. And uh, an invitation to consider the most important question in life as to whether there is a God. You know, I don't know how many hours a week people spend on social media, but two hours a week for eight weeks to come and explore whether God actually exists. I think it's got to be worth the investment. And you get food. I mean, you've got to eat anyway. So why wouldn't you come and be a part of that? Well, today I want to speak on the subject of faith for finance, faith for finance, and really how we can position ourselves in our lives to be in a relationship that is active and is working where we're trusting God in the area of money and we're seeing Him come through for us. I'm aware there may be many in the room today where money's too tight to mention and uh, it is a challenge and it's difficult and it's a pressure and we want to speak into that today. Practically, we want to say for committed members here we have a hardship fund, and uh, you can get in touch with us by emailing Jonathan Chan, Jonathan at SalemChurch.co.uk. Uh, if you're facing challenges, you're a committed member here, and uh, we'll see if we can help you. Also, practically, we regularly run something called Cap Money Management. It's out of the Christians Against Poverty stable, but it is not for people who, uh, who are in debt. It's a three-week money management practical course, the sort of stuff they ought to teach in schools, and I have no idea why they do not, of how to handle money, how to steward money. It's so important. We run that regularly. Encourage you, if you've never been on it, to come on it and get some of those tools uh, into your life, into your world. You don't have to be great at maths to understand how to steward finance well. It's really important. And also our finance team are exploring some other ways that we might be able to equip the church in this important life skill area. It's my deep conviction that God delights to be involved in our finances. He delights to be involved with, in, with us in this area of substance. Money is such an issue for all of us. It's in our world. It's how the world goes round, and we need it. And uh, I, it has been one of the great joys of my life over the last 30 plus years of trying to follow Jesus to, to learn what it is to honor God with my finance and to see his provision. It is one of the ways I have come to know God. I've come to experience his involvement in my own life. And it has been such an incredible experience. I come to you in humility today as I open the word. But I'm not ashamed to say I'm not a theorist. I'm a practitioner in this area. I have learned to trust God and we have seen him come through for us. We have learned what it is to have faith for finance. We've had seasons in our life where we have been struggling to make ends meet and we've seen God come through. There have been other times where he stretched us to to give beyond our ability to give and then we've seen him provide and we've moved into another dimension of faith for finance and it is such a blessing. It's such an important area of discipleship. Jesus says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your 
where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And who knows that God isn't actually after our wallets, he's after our hearts. But actually, where our treasure is, our heart is there also. And so this is such an important area of discipleship, which is why we often teach into this. Uh, most years around this, this time of year, we teach in some way into this important area of stewardship and discipleship. I want to point you, if you're new to the church, there are a couple of messages from last year. So I'm going to take a slightly different approach today and look at faith for finance or where we're, we're in what the media calls a cost of living crisis. And how do we posture ourselves to have faith in a season like this. But last year, uh, we did a couple of messages, one called The Cup and the Bucket, which is really around generosity. Who knows, we were created in the image and likeness of God. This is what the Bible tells us. And God is generous. For God so loved the world that he gave. He, God is a generous God. We're made in his image and likeness. Through the fall, uh, most of us became tight-fisted. And we are being redeemed into something that is incredibly liberating, which is generosity. But there can be a wrestle, a wrestle between the flesh and the spirit. And uh, we talked a little bit about that. And then another message called First Things First, which looks at a holistic view of whether tithing is relevant to a New Testament community. And uh, you can see both of those messages from uh, last March, either through our website on our resources uh, page or else on YouTube if you track back. Today, as I say, I want to take a slightly different approach. I'm aware, as I've said already, some of us might be facing extreme challenges financially. Some of you might be in a season of abundance, but God might be calling you or might come to one of calling you to step out and trust him in some way. We know some people in our church who've stepped out in businesses that have been in their hearts, and, and it's a different dimension of learning to trust God. If you've got a business, you know what it is to live by faith, because you don't know when the next uh, contract is going to come in, the next client's going to come in, or, or some of you, you know, working uh, where, where work can be piecemeal, it can be lucrative, but you're, wake it, you're waiting for the next, uh, the next piece of work to come in, and it can feel like a journey of faith. We're aware of that. So how do we have faith for finance? Well, uh, let's pray before we dive into the scriptures at Matthew chapter 6. Father, we thank you that, Lord, you delight to provide for us, your people. We thank you as we've been singing about today, you are faithful. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. We pray, Lord, that you'd come and help us, Lord. Help us even with the posture of our hearts in these moments to have open and humble hearts before you. God, that you might speak to us and not find us resistant. But you take us forward in you, we pray. God, that we would be faith-filled as you are faithful. So come, Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34, New King James Version. This is what the Bible says. Therefore, Jesus says, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Or uh, the NIV says another hour to your life. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God 
so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, or the pagans run after. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. Let me say that again. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Be to God. Now, mostly, I guess, if you've heard this passage preached, it's probably been in the context of do not worry, take no anxious thought. But it tells us a lot around faith for finance. Before this, um, we have seen the, the, the few verses which I've not included, but are immediately preceding where Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. And he says, you cannot serve both God and money. And then he says, therefore, do not worry. When there's a therefore in the Bible, you should always ask, what's the therefore, therefore? And here is, it's a response to Jesus saying, trust God with substance and do not Worry because God knows what you need. I want to look at four principles regarding faith for finance today. The first principle is the principle of participation. Can we say participation today? Participation. The principle of participation, what I mean by this is that the first principle is that we have to understand that God wants to be involved. God wants to be involved in your situation. God wants to be involved in your detail. Maybe you're sitting here today carrying worry, carrying burden, feeling like God has not answered your prayer. I want to reassure you from the Scriptures that, that do not be deluded. God wants to be involved in your detail. He delights to participate. The fact you might not have seen an answer to prayer yet, hang on, because the Bible tells us that God is interested. No detail is too small. He delights to roll up his sleeves and attend to specific needs. Here, Jesus is saying, look, look at the birds of the air. Look at the lilies of the field. They don't toil or spin. How much more valuable are you than him? This is the assurance that God wants to participate. He wants to be involved. And I know this is so simple, but we have to start here because if we don't grasp that God is interested in our situation, if we don't grasp that God wants to participate and get involved, then we're not going to have faith for finance. It really is base one, ground zero. And here Jesus says, so do not worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or about clothing. And he could have extended or about the gas bill or about the electricity bill, or about the school uniform for the kids, or about the rent. Do not, do not worry about the mortgage. Do not worry about council tax. Do not worry about the TV license, because God knows what your needs are. Hello. He says, look, look at the birds, look at the lilies. God knows that you need all of these things, and how much more valuable are you than are they? And I'm not going to stay here long, as I've said, because it's so simple, but it is an essential paradigm 
for us. And I know there are some massive things happen in the earth, some things in our lives to which we don't have answers and we, we don't fully understand. But as somebody once said, let us not fail to, to grasp hold of the things we do understand because there are some things that we don't understand. And even though there are some macro ideas in the earth, which maybe are the birth pains of the return of Christ, that we can't understand, do not be deceived and think that therefore God is not interested in the small detail of your life, because he is interested in the small detail of your life. I don't know if we've got some people here who can testify that God seems to be interested in the small detail of our lives, because when we've needed something, he's come through. So many times for us, this has been the case. I've got so many stories that that I could share. I remember one time when I was a student, I was my first year at university, and I went back uh, to my home, which was Nottingham, for the summer, and I needed work. I needed to earn money, and uh, I remember uh, trying to get a job and spending the first two weeks every day working at getting work and failing to get work, and I was putting my, my CV out. I was going into shops and cafes. Does anybody need any help? I was signing up at employment agencies, and I got nothing. And I remember Monday morning of week three, time is running out where I should have been earning money. And I got on my knees. I said, God, will you help me? I need work. And I remember telling him what I wanted. And I said, Lord, I'm asking you that by Wednesday, this was Monday morning, I'm going to know that I've got a job. And I'm asking you that I'm going to be able to do it for the rest of the summer. And I'm asking you that I would be paid. And I named an amount per hour. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, phone this particular employer. Now, this particular employer had a reputation as being the best payer for students during the vacations. And I knew, because I got some friends who worked there, that if you wanted to work in the summer, and it was the summer, you had to apply at Christmas. And normally, they agreed for some people to work, and they had a waiting list of about 100 people. And I remember explaining to the Lord how it worked, uh, because I, I kind of, it, it seemed clear that he was suggesting I phone them, and like he didn't know how it worked. So I helped him out. And I told him how it worked, but the Holy Spirit didn't change his mind. And I, and I sensed strongly in my spirit I needed to phone this employer. I remember wrestling with the Lord, but it didn't go away. In the end, to prove the Lord wrong, I picked up the phone and I phoned this employer and I said, Hello, this man. They put me through to human resources. And the lady at the other end said, and I said, Look, I'm a student, I'm looking for work. I've, I've not been in touch with you before. I was expecting her to say, Oh, yeah, we don't need anything or we've got to wait. And she said, It's funny you should phone now. She said, a director has just come into my office. She wants to take on four more workers tomorrow. Can you get yourself down here in an hour? And I said, you bet I can. (laughs) And and she said, because if you can, then you can start tomorrow, which would have been Tuesday, not Wednesday. And the rate was double what I had asked the Lord for. And so I got on my bike. I've I've never cycled quicker. But I want to tell you this, that, that God wants to participate in your need. But we have to bring it to him. The second principle that I I would like us to consider is the principle of provision. Can we all say provision? Which is that God doesn't just care, he's able. I said God doesn't just care, he is able. You know, it's one thing to care, it's another to be able. The principle of provision is to understand and believe that God is a provider. It, It is who he is. 
If we are something, we will do something. If you are an encourager, you will do encouragement. If you are creative, you will do creativity. And one of the, th- the ways that we understand who God is, is by his names. And one of his names is Jehovah Jireh. He is provider, which means he can provide. And he will provide. And, we need to, and I know this is basic again, but we need some of these things in our framework that God is interested in your situation. And he is also able to provide. This is the God that we serve, not the God of yesterday, but the God of today, the God of our world, the God of now. God provides so many times through the the book of the Bible, we see that our God is a provider. And he not only provides in the earth by creating seed-bearing plants and reproducing animals, but he provides in supernatural situations. He's the God who provided water out of a rock. He's the God who provided manna in the desert. He's the God who caused a widow's oil to not run out. He is the God who fed 5,000 from a little boy's packed lunch. He's the God who provided a coin in a fish's mouth. This is our God. He is provider. And Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you, meaning God will provide for you. Genesis 22, 12 to 14, God has promised to Abraham, who with his wife Sarai was barren, that they would have offspring, and through their offspring, he would become the father of many nations. And it comes to pass, even though they are beyond childbearing age, and they have a son, a boy called Isaac, and the boy grows, and then God makes an unthinkable ask of Abraham, and asks him to sacrifice this son that he's not only given to him, but through whom the promise over his life is going to be fulfilled. But Abraham responds in faith, and he takes the boy up the mountain of Moriah, and he lays him on an altar that he makes, and he has the knife in his hand ready to sacrifice his son in obedience to the word of the Lord, which is hard for us to get our heads around. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord appears and says, do not touch the boy. This is what the Bible says. Do not lay a hand on the boy. He said, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its thorns, his horns, I'm sorry. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The the American Standard Version says this, and, and this is the Hebrew, uh, and Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. Can we all say Jehovah Jireh? Or, or Yahweh Yireh. Uh, to this, and to this day, it is said on the mountain of Jehovah, it will be provided. Yireh comes from the Hebrew word Ra, which means to see. To see. But what it is saying is, this is the one who sees and sees to it. And this is what Jesus is saying in the verses in Matthew that we've read. He knows what you need, Jesus says. That means he sees. Does anyone have need? Let me tell you today, he he knows what you need. He has seen it already. He sees it. It might be a need that you're waiting to be fulfilled, you're praying for. But let me tell you, he sees it. He sees you. He sees your situation. But he doesn't only see it, he's the God who sees to it. Jesus says, how much more will he therefore clothe you, provide for you? He sees it and he sees to it. This is Jehovah Jireh. 
what often happens is that we cannot see how God will deliver us, right? We, we look at our circumstances and we look by sight and not by faith. And we cannot determine how it will come to pass. This is what happened with Moses in the wilderness where they'd come out of Egypt. They'd pass through the Red Sea. Manna is being delivered every day except for the Sabbath for them to eat. But after a year or so, they start complaining because they're tired of manna. And the Israelites start complaining and saying, we want meat. We want meat. We want meat. You know, I, I got to, you know, kind of, we, we can look at it and think, oh, I've never been like that. I've been so grateful for the manna. After a year of manna, who would be with me going, we want meat? But the thing is that, that actually the, the Lord was angry with them. But in his grace, he provided. And he speaks to Moses. He says, I will provide meat. I'll provide meat not just for one day or two days. or three. I'll, I'll provide meat until it's coming out of their nostrils. That's what the Lord says. That's what the Lord says. I'm going to give you a month of meat. Now, you've got to understand, they are in the wilderness. There is nothing. There are no livestock. There's no, there is no meat. It's only them. They're, they're the only meat available. And the Lord says, I'm going to provide meat. I mean, like, you know, a random goat. You could kind of envisage a random wild goat for the nation. Maybe. Maybe a couple. You know, out of nowhere. I don't know. Well, uh, maybe a snake, something. He says, I'm going to give you meat for a month. And this is what Moses says. I'm, I'm, Lord, <laughs> be reasonable. Here I am, he says, among 600,000 men on foot, and you say I'll give them meat for a month. Would they have enough if flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught? And the Lord answered Moses, is the Lord's arm too short? Mm, I love that. The Lord said to him, is my arm too short? Now you will see whether or not what I say will come true for you. And the Lord sweeps in on a wind, quail, that is, that is a, a meter high. They, like, literally, the camp, they, like, three feet high of quail comes in and lands, and they have meat for a month. Is my arm too short? And I want to say to you today that the Lord's arm is not too short. The principle of provision is that God is a provider and he is able. And the difficulty is often we think, I can't see how, but that's not the problem. That's, that's not your problem. That's his problem. But we have to be able to trust. So many times we have not been able to see how, and yet God has. When we had Nathan, who's our, our second son, Esther had been working as a physiotherapist. I was, I was in ministry and... She had it in her heart to have a season of being full-time mum at home. And, and it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and us until I did the maths. <laughs> and then I, 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 I remember, I mean, we paired our budget back. We, like, we looked at everything. We bought scissors so we could cut each other's hair. You know, we kind of, we just looked at like every option to save money. And we were two, three hundred pounds a month short. I remember going for a walk. I was frustrated with the Lord. I was like, Lord, I'm trying to serve you here in ministry, and this is in our hearts to do, and we can't do it. And I, I, I went just on a rant. And I remember, you always remember where you were when you had an epiphany. I remember I was outside Wilco's in Beeston, Nottingham, in the rain, when something snapped in my spirit. And I thought, hang on a minute. 
what is this unbelieving voice that comes out of my mouth as if God is not able? As if God has not been faithful. I said, Lord, I am sorry. You have been faithful to me since, since the day I gave my life to you. You have never failed. And faith rose within me. And I determined that I was going to trust God. And somehow he was going to make provision. And I got back. And nothing had changed materially, but something had changed within me. Three years earlier, a friend had asked if I would help out by managing uh, a property that he owned and his brother's two properties. And I'd got myself a sideline going of property management. It was a little sideline. I was in ministry. We've got this sideline of managing properties. What's funny about that? <laughs> it's a side hustle. You're allowed a side hustle, all right? It was the Lord's provision. And I'm there going, Lord, like I'm, I'm doing, I'm, I'm full-time in ministry. I'm doing this side hustle. But like I'm two, three hundred pounds short. Lord, God, how are you going to help us? Two days later, I got a phone call from someone I haven't been in touch with for a while going, hey, Martin, I'd, I've heard you're doing property management. I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> he said, look, I've got two houses. These were big, lucrative, student, juicy student properties. He said to me, look, I, I need someone to manage my houses. Would you do it for me? And he said, I'd like to give you 10% of the rent each month. It was just shy of 300 pounds. And it became a source of provision for us. I couldn't see how from where we were, but God knew how. Is his arm too short? It continued. Until two years ago, I continued doing property management. And finally, we gave, we gave it away. But it was part of God's provision over 20 years of my life. His arm is not too short. I want to tell you today, whatever you're trusting God for, his arm is not too short. The principle of provision. Thirdly, the principle of partnership. Can we say partnership? This is to say he's looking for our engagement. He is looking for faith for finance to take root and to be materialized, which means that we have to activate our faith. He is looking for our partnership. This is not just one-way provision, but our trust activated. If you, if you look through the stories of provision in the Bible, you will almost always see somebody trusts God and then sees God provide. This is really interesting. Uh, and so I want us to, to understand there is a principle of partnership, a principle of covenantal relationship. God is not just looking to provide for you. He's looking for you to trust Him so that He can provide for you. He's looking to strengthen our relationship. When I say to you, I partly know God through faith for finance, I am not joking. Some of the testimonies we have in our family are because we trusted God. We stepped out and trusted God and we saw God be faithful to us. And we've come to know his involvement. For the widow of Zarephath, she has a handful of oil, a handful of flour, sorry, and a little oil. And she says to the man of God, I'm going to bake, uh, make a meal for my son, our last meal before we die. And the man of God says, make a meal for me first. Wow, the audacity. Before you die, you, in fact, you might not have enough even for your last meal. Make a meal for me. And she makes a meal for the man of God. And her flour does not run out and her oil does not run dry until the drought lifts and the rains come again over the nation. This is how God 
provides. In, in the scriptures that we look at, uh, the key scriptures around provision, we see there is the principle of partnership. Matthew 6, we've just read, Jesus says, but seek ye first, seek ye first the kingdom of God. He's just said, store up treasure for yourselves in heaven, not on earth, and God will provide. And he will add all these things to you. Seek ye first. Can we all say first? There's a principle here of partnership. God's saying, you trust me and you'll see me provide. And while we need to understand that God wants to be involved and that he's able, we also have to understand that he wants our engagement. In Genesis 22, the ram is caught in the thicket. And it is said to this day, on the mountain of the Lord. Can we all say on the mountain of the Lord? On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. What's the mountain of the Lord? It's the place of surrender. It's the place of sacrifice. It's the place of trust. It's the place of obedience. I don't think anybody has been given a more audacious ask than the ask that God made to Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. And in that place, he saw God come through. Let us not miss it because some of us, we want in the valley of the Lord, it will be provided. But actually, the, the, it says, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And it is said to this day, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. What does this mean for us? This means that if we trust him, we'll see him come through for us. And I want to encourage us that we would be those who trust him. In Malachi chapter 3, which addresses tithing, as I said earlier, please go back to last year's message for a fuller message. You can't teach tithing well just out of Malachi 3. You have to look at the principle and the context of the whole of Scripture. But in Malachi 3, God says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so there might be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. I'll prevent the, the pest from devouring your crops. But first of all, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Trust me with your substance. Let first things come first and then see if I will not bless you. This is the principle of partnership, the principle of first things, the principle of first fruits. And, and the thing is, sometimes we want to see if there's anything left over. If any of you have got kids and you've taken your kids to McDonald's and you bought them food, who knows that when you ask for one chip, you don't want one cold, soggy chip when they can't finish. You want a hot, fresh, crisp chip right at the outset. Can I have a chip? And sometimes they're like, no. Principle of first things, give me a first chip and I might buy you dessert. <laughs> There's a principle here of partnership. Bring the whole tithe. Trust me. Trust me, test me. This is the principle of partnership. One of the other great verses that we, uh, we hear a lot around provision is from the book of Philippians. Who, who knows the verses? And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ, yes? But who knows what that comes on the back of? So most of us, we know, oh, and my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ. But actually what has happened is the Philippian church have sacrificed, they have given. The, the Philippian church is the church that Paul writes to the church at Corinth and boasts about the Macedonian churches. He's talking about Philippi. He's saying they gave even beyond their ability to give. The Philippians, they sacrificed, they gave, they were generous, they went beyond their ability and here in Philippians 4, he says, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. He's writing to the church. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except only you. 
For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment. I have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I've received the gift. Epaphroditus bought the, the, the gift, sorry, that you sent. They're a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And know this, my God will meet your needs. But he's speaking to a church that have sacrificed to give to others. This is the principle of participation. Let me tell you, nothing moves God like faith. Nothing moves God like faith. Now, God is merciful. And let me tell you, if you've never trusted God, if you've never obeyed God with substance and you are in need, then cry out to him because he is merciful. And maybe in his mercy, he will help you. Many times in his mercy, he's helped me. Goodness only knows. God is a merciful God. But I would rather stand on a promise than stand on his mercy. And when we trust him with our substance, when we enter into faithfulness before the Lord, then we see his provision. We stand on a promise. Over 30 years of trusting, tithing through every season, even when we couldn't afford to do so. As many of you can testify, God has been faithful, has helped us to pay bills that we didn't seem able to pay, has provided in a multitude of ways, has provided jobs, has done so many different things. And sometimes we've seen his incredible blessing. In 2016, when we began our vision offerings, Esther and I, we're, we're, obviously we're, we're tithing and, and trusting God. But then the Lord spoke to us to, to make a, a pledge of 10,000 pounds for that year over and above our, um, our tithes. We, we'd, we'd saved up about 4,000 pounds because our car, our family car was dying. It done about 180,000 miles. It was billowing black smoke. It wasn't a good testimony. We didn't have a fish on the back. And, um, and I can remember... We kind of thought, okay, well, we can put that in. And then we looked at our budget, thought ways we could maybe save some money. Maybe over the year we could find another three, even 4,000 pounds. But, but we just didn't know how we could possibly finish it. I remember we gathered the kids together and we said, look, this is just for the family. And I'm sharing it with you now. But that time we, we just said, look, this is just for the family to know. This is what we feel God has said to us. We're going to step out. And what we said to them is, is you can't outgive God. And in the fullness of time, we'll see the blessing of God. But next summer, we probably won't have a family holiday. But we can put a tent up in the back garden. This is a conversation we had. This was October. In March, Mark Beswick, for some reason that I still can't understand, said to me early one Sunday morning, Martin, if you had no money, well, what would you want to do? If money was no object, I said, Mark, don't be silly. And, uh, and, and he said, no, no, I'm asking you, if money was no object, what would, you wanna, what would you do? And I said, Mark, I never think like that. That's really unhelpful. And he said, no, I'm asking you. And he, and he had that look in his eye. He's a prophetic guy. And he had that look in his eye. I thought, okay, well, I don't know why he's asking this. I knew he wasn't about to get his checkbook out to make it happen. <laughs> but I stopped. And that year, we had two months off. Uh, we had a sabbatical. And and we had no money to go anywhere. And I said, you know what? If money was no object, I'd love to take my family on a great summer holiday this year. We moved on. A couple of weeks later, we got a, a card in the post from a, a family we hadn't heard from for a couple of years. And had a check in it for 500 pounds. And it said, this is towards your family holiday. And we're like, that's strange. And, and then someone else gave us something and said, this is for your summer holiday. We hadn't said anything to anybody. And we said, okay, Lord, it feels like you're doing something. So look, we're going to continue to try and redeem our pledge, which by the grace of God, we were able to do. 
by the time it came to an end. We said, if any money comes from left field, we'll put it aside for a family holiday because the Lord might be up to something here. And then the heavens opened, and this is not normal for us, I can guarantee you. But within a few weeks, we had over 2,000 pounds have been given to us. People just say, I want to give you this. I feel prompted to give you this. And then I had a conversation. We were like, what are we going to do with this? We could, maybe we could go to France. I mean, we normally, our kids, like, they'll tell you, we went camping in Devon. This was like, this is summer holiday. We're like, 2,000 pounds. What are we going to do? And, and I said, look, we should book something. We could, should go to France. And Anessa's like, no, nah, I don't think it's France. I said, what are you talking about? Well, where is it then? She said, no, it's not France. And later that, that week, I had a meeting with someone I didn't know very well. He's a businessman, a Christian businessman. And we had our meeting. It was about something completely different. At the end of it, he said to me, what are you doing this summer? And I said, oh, well, it's amazing. And I told him the story up to this point, And he said to me, oh, well, I've got a house in Florida. And he said, I think it's available for two weeks over the summer. If you'd like to use it, you can use it free of charge. And I said, goodness me. I said, that, that's so humbling. That's amazing. So thank you. And I said, I'm not trying to be funny. I, we need to work out if we can get there. And, and, he, and, and, he, and he went to the bathroom, and I quickly Googled cheapest possible flights to Florida in August, and it came up seven, 800 pounds. That, I remember that evening, we sat with the kids at, uh, at the dinner table. We said, look, something strange has happened. This is, and we let them in on the loop, and they were like, we're going to Florida. And we're like, no, 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 no. We're like, at the moment, two of us are going to Florida, and, and three of us are in the back garden. The thing we're going to do now is we're going to pray. About a week later, Esther and I were like, what are we going to do with this? And we said, well, look, we've had faith to step out with, a, with an offering. And, and it feels like the Lord's doing something. We need to have faith to receive. So we said, Lord, if somehow you can sort out flights for 500 pounds each, even if we've got no money for anything else, we're going to go. And we prayed. And while we're still at the table, my phone rang. And it was the guy whose house it was in Florida. He said, Martin, I'm in Florida. I'm looking at the dates you need to come. I've found some crazy flights for 400 pounds each. He said, they're flying off the page. I need to know, are you in? I said, we're in. <laughs> he said, there's just one thing I, I need to tell you. He said, uh, you, you're going you're gonna to have to find your own accommodation for one night in Orlando. And he explained this convoluted flight setup. And I said, look, I don't know what you've just said, but just do it anyway. Two weeks later, I was in Singapore, and Pastor Dom said, what, what are you doing this summer? I said, well, it's amazing. And I told him the story up to this point, and he said, oh, I know the general manager of the Hilton Hotel in Orlando, as you do. And he called to his PA, he said, get this guy on the phone, and they sorted us out accommodation. And the Lord looked after us and provided us this incredible holiday. We'd been camping in Devon, and he provided for us. I remember at the end, we came back off, off our sabbatical, and we told this story to the church. And a couple came up at the end and said, will you pray for me, uh, because we want to go to Florida. <laughs> and I, I, remember, I remember saying, I think you've missed the story here. <laughs> like, I, I think... I, I like, thank God, and yes, I'll pray for you. If you want to go, why not? Why not? Why not get in my slipstream of the blessing of God? But I want to say there's a principle here of participation because in October we were camping in the back garden. But God is no man's debtor. And my kids understood something of the goodness of God because mom and dad had never managed to do more than get them to Devon. But when the Lord got involved, I tell you, he's a different style travel agent. I want to encourage you, church. Yeah, why not? I'm over time and I'm sorry. Joshua, why don't you come? I've got to finish. You might help me. Um, I want to encourage you to trust him. The first principle is what? The principle of participation. It means that he's interested. He wants to be involved. What's principle two? The principle of 
provision. He is able. Thirdly, the principle of participation. He wants us to be involved, to trust him and to see him come through. And the final principle is the principle of prayer. This, again, might seem so incredibly simple, but God wants us to talk to him about it. We've just read Jesus saying, my father knows what you need. And yet just before that, he's given us the Lord's Prayer, which when he said, this is how you're to pray, our father in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. So he knows you need bread, but he wants to hear your voice. And many of us, I know there are people with need and provision and and you've complained about it, you've worried about it, you've lost sleep over it, you've Googled it and you've phoned a friend, but you haven't really got on your knees about it. Maybe you have been praying about it, but you haven't yet seen God come through. I want to tell you, keep praying about it. Keep praying about it. Pray and pray and pray. You will see God come through. When my kids were little, they used to come to me and say, Daddy, Daddy, could, could we please have... If I was able, it was such a joy. For them, the joy was the provision. If they wanted a milkshake, for them, the joy was the milkshake. For me, the joy was their coming to me. Because I was their only hope for a milkshake. Or Esther. I was their only hope for a milkshake. Yeah, because she could afford it, but she just said, no. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, managing the budget. My joy was their coming. I want to tell you, friends, God delights in our coming to him, even in our need to come. He says just after the verses we read in Matthew 6, ask and you will receive. Knock and the door will open, be open to you. Seek and you'll find. And we need to come and ask him. Time's gone. I wonder if I could just share one final story where there was a time some years ago where we are... This is a recurring theme. We had a car and it was dying. It was a different car that was also on its last legs. And we didn't have provision for a replacement car. And, and we were praying. But I tell you, I'm honest. I was trying to work out how to sort it out. Esther was really praying. Every day she's praying, God, you need to help us out here. We need a new car. Will you help us out here? And unbeknownst to us, there was a couple in our church. We didn't even know them. They were a Singaporean family. They'd been over in the UK working as doctors, and they were about to return back to Singapore. And, uh, and the Lord spoke to them before they went. Instead of selling their, their family car, they were to give it away. Uh, and the Lord spoke to the lady and said, you need to give it to Esther. Now, they didn't know this Esther. I was in ministry. They, they knew me from the platform, but they didn't know Esther was working as full-time mom. They only knew one lady called Esther, and they phoned her up and said, do you need a car? She said, I've just bought a brand new car. I don't need a car. So a bit bemused. But then that Sunday, uh, somehow Esther got, uh, my Esther got introduced to her. And the lady was like, you're Esther. And she said, do you need a car? I mean, Esther just met this lady. She said, what are you talking about? I said, do you need a car? Are, are you Esther? And I said, well, yeah, I am Esther. I said, and yes, we do need a car. Why? She said, oh, fantastic. And she was so excited because they'd heard the Lord. She said, look, we, we want to give you our car. I'm like, well, we want to receive your car. And amazingly, they, they said, look, this is so great. The Lord's spoken to us. And they said, look, come around our house. And we went around their house. They'd been renting a beautiful, uh, detached, four-bedroomed property as, as doctors in the UK. They were going back to a small flat in Singapore. Property's a bit different in Singapore. And, and, they, and we went around to, to receive their car for our family, which was a perfect provision. And they said, look, while you're here, we need to get rid of our stuff. Do you need any TVs or any furniture or lamps or, or mirrors? They showed that. And we filled their car with their stuff. 
I tell you. Because Esther was on her knees saying, God, I don't know how we're going to sort this out. But his arm isn't too short. I felt bad filling their car with their stuff. No, I did. But I got over it. (laughs) But I want to tell you, God is able. I'm telling you, there might be some people here today and you're in need. And I'm, I'm not, I know I've, I've in, we've enjoyed having a bit of fun, but you're in need and I want to pray for you. Maybe this is a tough season. I want to tell you, God sees and he'll see to it. Just trust him. Keep praying. Trust him. Keep praying. He's able. His arm isn't too short. I, there's also some of you, maybe you haven't been involved in participation. You, you've let some things slide. And today the message, you just think, Lord, I, I'm sorry. I want to put some things right when I trust you. Some here today, maybe you've just got something like a business idea in your heart and you just say, Lord, would you help me to step out? And if you want to respond in any of those ways or anything else, would you stand? I'm going to pray briefly. Why don't the musicians come and just position yourself? Just stand if you need to, to respond in some way. Maybe you're in need. Maybe you need to put some things right. Maybe you just want to trust him afresh in in some way. I'm going to invite you just to open your hearts to him and open your hands to him. Why don't you begin to pray where you are? Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. We thank you, Lord, that you are able. We thank you that you are faithful. We thank you, God, that you are the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We thank you, God, you are the God who sees and who sees to it. And I pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters. I pray for those that are in need today. And I thank you, God, that you see. I thank you, God, you see what they need. And I pray, God, that as they cry out to you, as they bring it to you, as they faithfully pray, they would see provision where they may not be able to see how you could possibly. But God, you are the one who says, is my arm too short? And they would see you come through. They would see you provide in ways that that they could not and we could not. I pray, God, they would have testimonies. I pray, Lord, they would have the joy of answered prayer. I pray there would be stories at their table where you came through because you are able. Lord, I pray for my friends here who respond today to want to put some things right and trust you afresh in the area of substance. I pray, Lord, let faith not just be captured in the moment here in the room, but be carried and to be worked out. God, that that we would be a people that honor you and trust you in the good times and in the tough times and see you come through and see your blessing. And I pray over this house, we would be a faith-filled house. We would be an honorable house. We would be a faithful people and an honorable people. And God, I pray as people trust you, they would see your blessing and your favor. They would see the windows of heaven opened. I pray for those, Lord, who are carrying a business dream in their heart or just respond in a different way. I pray, God, you would walk with them. You would help them. Help them to walk in a dimension of faith and trust and to see breakthrough as they honor you. Holy Spirit, do in us. A great work for your glory, we pray in the powerful name of Jesus.